Do you know what the most popular spice in hell is? Sin, I'm in. <laughs> hey, shh. Welcome back to Not Another Needless Sequel, where we watch movies and propose unnecessary prequels, sequels, reboots, and remakes. I'm your host, Kane, and today I have with me my wife, who will be my... Who will be my co-host as we discuss 2018's Hereditary. What's the story of this movie? That sums it up, sure. Yeah. I don't even know what genre it is, but it's, it's a horror. movie about a family and the main character... Her mom passes away, and then their daughter's murdered, and just all these things keep happening, and you think she's in a mental spiral, and it's you trying to figure out the puzzle. It is a mess of a movie if you're watching it through your first time, and you don't know what's going on. Absolute mess. I think in a good way, but mm -hmm. we will get to my rating eventually. So the movie does open up with an obituary, and then, of course, we see the family getting ready to go to the funeral. Well, I guess Annie's already ready, but uh, Steve, her husband, walks into Peter's room to get his suits. Like, hey, get up, you know, we're going to be late, or we're already late. I do like that it shows, like, her dollhouses and miniatures, and it zooms in to what is Peter's room. And it's initially a dollhouse, and then, like, it turns into the real scene. It was very uncomfortable. Yes, I did note that. <laughs> I like that. I think that that was fucking amazing, the way they did that. Just, I, you didn't even know it was coming. I thought these were dolls, and then all of a sudden everybody's moving around. So, they're at the funeral. Annie is reading a little speech. Obviously, this comes up as to why this is later, but she does call out in the funeral room or viewing room. There's a lot of strangers here, and they're strangers to her, but her mother knew all these people. Listen, this entire movie could have been prevented if she just looked in the box like she was supposed to at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> she did. So that night... After the funeral, she does look in that box. Uh-huh, but if she had looked... More in depth? In depth in the box, she... Like, she just read her mom's note and was like, that bitch is crazy. Okay, so... And that, moved on with her Your life. family member passes away, you see a picture of them, and they're wearing a white dress and people are throwing gold coins. You give it a second thought, I'd just be like, what a fucking weirdo. And I'd just move on. Yeah, I'd keep looking. <laughs> well, not me. I would've just been like, what a weird picture. You've Old never people had a family are fucking member weird. pass away. <sighs> I have. <laughs> oh, yeah, you have. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. Anyway... Hey. That was recent, too. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> she does look in there, and she sees a book on spiritualism. She sees some pictures of her mother with people she's never seen. She gets that note that's like, don't worry about what you lose. The gifts are going to be great. Bunch of weird shit, but it doesn't mean anything to you when you're watching the movie for the first time. You're just like, oh, okay cool and then she uh she goes to leave the room it's kind of like the first scare she turns off the light her fucking mom is standing in the corner just smiling like oh can you not yeah if anyone ever chooses to haunt me no smiles absolutely creepy. flat face absolutely creepy don't come around this bitch cheesing i don't want to see it after this we meet the daughter well i mean you saw her at the funeral I and let really... me just tell you that like my vibes at this point was like something was wrong with her she looked confused and scared and, like, there was a reason that she was that way. Yeah. Ultimately, she's upset. Annie says, like, she wouldn't let me feed you. And, like, 
then of course we see that in that same scene where she sees her mother in the corner one of her mannequins depicts that she was breastfeeding what we would assume to be charlie and you see her mother's like little miniature with her fucking titty out like well let me do it like that's what i'm that's what i'm saying so like the grandma like stole her yeah yeah i mean she definitely had a claim on her and that all comes out. So the next day after the funeral, just see the way that Charlie and Peter are both at school. Peter is actually in class listening to his teacher and he's fucking staring at the girl's ass in front of him. But the important thing about this scene is the teacher is talking about Hercules and about fate and how nobody in his life had like control over their own fate and it was all predetermined all destined and the girl in front of him even says like you know he was ignoring the signs in front of him the entire time she's like he was literally ignoring the signs that were literally handed to him the entire time that's like the fucking movie it's all predetermined what's gonna happen to get to this point and they do just ignore a lot of shit yeah but (laughs) i thought that was cool you do see charlie's in class fucking she's always making little toys they actually did like some viral kind of marketing for this movie when it first was coming out where they sold those toys on etsy and they were listening under like charlie's dolls or something don't like it well she literally went outside and took the class scissors and cut a dead bird's head off yeah it's definitely fucking weird and uh again you're watching this and you're just like what a fucking weirdo like this kid needs some help yeah but then we see uh annie goes to a grief group apparently pretty regularly because she lies to her husband and and let me just stop right there and say good guy steve best guy in the whole movie like what a sweet man just trying to take care of business just be a fucking father and he's surrounded by lunatics like, i would think i think that the son was peter was pretty normal okay yeah peter peter was as well but you know he a bit of an asshole at times in a teenage way and he was just you know the teenage pothead yeah i mean i get that but i'm just saying steve you know he's like oh you're gonna go to the movies okay he knows she's not going to the movies doesn't question it. it's like Go ahead. And she goes to this grief group. She talks about her mother. And she even says during this scene that her brother killed himself and accused Annie's mother of putting people inside of him. And she kept Peter away from her mother because she didn't want her to sink her hooks. And then she got sick, had to live with them. And they uh, did the same thing with Charlie, like, or her mother did that to Charlie instead of Peter. Charlie also makes a comment that Grandma wanted her to be a boy. Yes. At some point. Uh, however, after she tells the scene, you know, she starts going off about her life. And her mom was, like, in and out of mental facilities. She had DID, which is um, Dissociative Identity Disorder. Mm-hmm. I think that's formerly known as, like, Multiple Personality Disorder. And so, you know, you know that her mom had a history. She has a significant family history of mental health issues. Her brother killed himself. You know, he hung himself. And everybody, like, when she goes through this, when she gets done, all of the people in that room was like, what a wild-ass life you've lived, you poor woman. She told the whole story. She told, like, her entire life story as to why she, like, wasn't really that sad about her mom's death. What's interesting is, during that scene as well, Joan is there. Yes. Who is revealed later but joan looks right at her when they're like we have some time for any new people to talk 
Joan looks right at her, doesn't stop staring at her. Like, I know. It was just such a fucking setup. Yeah. I mean, we'll get there. So Peter is attracted to that girl that was sitting in front of him, Bridget, and she's going to be at this party. I don't even think he knows that. People say Bridget, they believe Bridget might be part of the whole thing that's going on because one of his friends for sure is. One of his friends later on in the movie, I'll bring it up again, he has a man bun. You see him at the very end. I mean, it could be two people have a man bun. Seems unlikely. Yeah. So people believe Bridget is part of this because of what happens at the party. I don't believe she is because she was just sitting there. He wants to go to this party with his buddies and Annie, his mom. I want to call out that she like calls him on his shit, which I'm like, good for her. She's like, are you going to be drinking? And he's like, oh, we're not even old enough. And she's like, well, that's a crock. I'm just asking, are you drinking? Like, good for you, Annie. Don't be fucking dumb. And he was like, no. Yeah. I mean, he's an asshole about it. Like, come on, you know. I'm going to go smoke some weed. Yeah, (laughs) that too. And she's like, why don't you bring your sister? I don't know what their age difference is. I wouldn't have suggested Um, that. Four years. I think Charlie is 12 and he's like 16 probably. It's still, it feels weird to me. I take, it's weird to take your not even teenage sister to a high school party. She's not in high school. Yeah. She's like, you'll make some friends. And it's like, nobody there is your age. You have no idea. Yeah. And I get that she's trying to kind of get Charlie out of the house and that kind of thing. But I think she also was just doing it to Peter. Like, ah, now you can't drink. Yeah. But... Charlie does go with Peter, and Peter fucking sees the girl, and he's like, Do you want to smoke weed? I have really good weed. Pulls it out and shows it in his baggie. Yeah, like, she can't see that. Like, she's going to be like, oh, shit, that does look like good weed. But then um, they go into a room filled with other people, and he's like, oh, we're not alone. He He was trying to get some. I don't know. Maybe. But he, yes, he's going to another room, and he just brushes Charlie off. He's like, look, they're giving out chocolate cake. She loves chocolate. She's always eating it. It seems like she eats it in moments where she's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's uncomfortable in this situation. You see as soon as he walks into the party that there's a girl chopping up walnuts. Yeah, and Charlie's allergic to nuts. They mentioned that before because at the funeral, mm-hmm. she takes a bite of the chocolate and the dad's like, that doesn't have nuts, right? And the mom's like, well, we don't have the EpiPen with us. Yeah. So she doesn't have her EpiPen. Well, I know she's only 12, but you'd think you'd make sure she, hey, anywhere you go, fucking take this EpiPen. This is what you have to learn. I'm telling you. Why the fuck is somebody making a chocolate cake at a high school party? Who's like, you motherfuckers want to make some fucking chocolate cake? I don't know. I honestly assumed it was either going to be like weed cake or weed brownies. No, they just... I've, just bacon. I no they idea. just fucking love bacon. You know how them youngins are. They just love to fucking bake. In their easy bake oven. For you go sure. to a party and you guys all fucking bake together. That's what the kids That's, do. That is what we do. But yeah, she does go into shock and she goes to find Peter. She can't breathe. And before you even know what's going to happen, like to me, it's such an emotional scene where I'm like, oh my God, it's nice that he actually cares and he's fucking scared and this is sad. And he's trying to get her to a hospital and it's just the absolute absolute fucking unthinkable i couldn't have predicted this i couldn't have either my jaw was dropped i was like well she's gonna die i thought maybe she would die in the back of the car just choke to death uh-huh that would have been terrible but instead this light pole that earlier they showed when they were on their way to the party and it showed it had that symbol on it man you you took my little thing <laughs> oh, i noticed sorry. i noticed that and i'm gonna read you what i <laughs> okay, said say it I said, Charlie and Peter are driving, and the symbol from the necklace that the grandma and the mom were wearing is on that light pole, which is, oddly enough, the same pole Charlie got cracked on. Yes, so she sticks her head out the window to get air, and it's just the most brutal fucking snap. 
Yeah, because he... Was going to avoid dead animal on the road. Yeah, and she hits her head, and you don't actually know what... I mean, you think, like, oh, yeah, she's dead, but you don't really know fully what happened. He just sits there in complete fucking shock, drives home slowly, just walks up to his room and just lays there, seemingly doesn't sleep that night, just stares. And then you hear the voices of his parents getting up and he goes out to the car, lets out the most fucking blood-curdling scream I've ever heard. I mean, fucking props to her. What an actress. She slayed this shit. Yeah. Tony Collette, and she'd actually told her agent before this movie, she did not want to do any more heavy, dark films. She only wanted to do comedies. <laughs> but she read the script and she fucking loved it so much and she was like well i gotta do this and yeah she fucking killed it so she finds the headless body of charlie that's what happened is her head came off and then it goes to charlie's head and it's being eaten alive by bugs yeah and it's a fucking horrifying like you think like oh at least i don't have to see it and then they're like ah this is what you get to see instead like thanks i would have rather have seen the body but thanks for that i also thought like peter's just shock of the incident like it feels so realistic i mean you know i don't know how people would react but it just it felt so natural like the way they wrote it felt like that's how somebody would react like he's completely out of it he doesn't even know how to go on you don't know what to do watching it you might think like what the fuck dude like you should do this you should do that but god what a fucking scene it's ridiculous like it's a scene that the first time i saw it i was like i'm gonna need to just take a breather yeah just pause this get me some water i can't fucking believe it Not to mention, the marketing for this movie showed Millie Shapiro in all of the trailers. Everyone thought she was going to be a main character through the entire movie. And yeah, you could argue she kind of is, but nobody expected her to die in the middle of the movie. I agree. Yeah, it was absolutely horrific, shocking, and I was like, my jaw was dropped. I didn't even know what to say. I mean, you were there. You were there when I watched it, and I looked at you in absolute just like, Mm -hmm. what just happened? I know. So we see the aftermath of Charlie being killed. Obviously, the household is just horribly tense. Steve is trying to hold it together, and you know, you see him making dinner. You see him checking on Peter like, hey, did you sign up for those SAT prep courses? You see him trying to take care of Annie but Annie is sleeping in the treehouse where Charlie used to with Peters and Peters just grief stricken feels guilty it's just fucking horrible and you start getting some of the little creepy moments where they're hearing her click you know she did that throughout the movie and they keep hearing it and he thinks he sees her at one point it's not her but the way they did it does make it look like like they even they cut to it real quick and again it's not her like the actor's physically not there it's not a scene that's like look she was there but the way they did it i was like holy fuck is that her and it's crazy that they were able to like scare you with something that wasn't an actual scare yeah it's just a horrible fucking time you know she doesn't want to blame peter but you know it's a rough thing to deal with they have like a dinner where they kind of just have an all-out argument about it and they say some nasty shit back and forth this is all while annie has befriended joan and told her what's happened well yeah so she does end up going to another grief thing and joan stops her and she's like oh were you coming in you know playing the fucking dumbass and And then annie goes to her house to talk to her and she's like my mom used to make mats like that yeah she does notice that mat and i guess you could brush it off but i don't know you might be like we're all in the same town on top of that when she is talking to joan she tells the story about how she sleepwalks and she says one time i doused the kids in paint thinner and myself 
and I was lighting a match and the kids didn't believe, or Peter didn't believe that I wasn't trying to hurt them. It's been said that her subconscious knew what was going to happen to them and she felt that the only way to solve the issue was that they all had to die to save them from their fate and she just couldn't deal with it because it was too horrible and so in her sleep she tried to basically kill the three of them i guess that's better than what would happen yeah this whole movie you think that she has a mental health problem because she comes from a long line of family of mental health problems and you think that this is just broken her like this was the final fucking straw which it could be i mean you know just weeks after your mother terrible so she does end up having a another run-in with Joan. At the art store. She's at the art store, yes, and Joan just so happens to be there. Now, in the back of Joan's car, she has chalkboards, brand new. That's what she bought. And then they go to her house and she's like, you know, I met a medium. We did a seance. I talked to my dead grandson. It's great. Let me show you. Annie doesn't believe her, but she goes there with her and then she does this fucking seance and it's working and... She's like talking to her grandson. She's like, look, I brought your chalkboard and fucking set your chalkboard out. And it's like, you just bought that. But sure, whatever. I guess Annie didn't notice that. Now the chalkboard effect that they did where they had it like just right itself, that was um, practical. They didn't do that with CGI. They put a magnet in the chalk and then put a magnet on the other side of the chalkboard and just fucking wrote that shit. That's the same way that they do it in Matilda. Oh, and yeah. It's a little interesting because Millie Shapiro, who played Charlie, she also played Matilda on a Broadway version. It's just a little interesting connection. I honestly thought that we were about to go into the Donald Glover Spider-Man connection. I'm not sure what what you mean. (laughs) Okay. I don't think this movie's really related to Spider-Man. Okay. Anyway. It's coming, folks. So she's like, here, take this candle and this piece of paper. And she looks at the piece of paper and she's like, well, what's this language? She's like, I don't know, just say it and it'll start the seance and you'll be able to talk to Charlie. Make sure that your family's in the house, especially your son. (laughs) She does say that. She's like, it's everyone. Yeah. She's like, your son, everyone. There's only two people. So for you to randomly say your son feels off. Annie does end up doing the seance we don't see it we just see her waking her kids up after i guess there's a little nightmare she has where she follows ants and they're all over peter but then she wakes up or you think she wakes up but it's just a continuation to a new nightmare where peter's like why are you afraid of me and they're like arguing back and forth and then they just start getting progressively sweatier Mm -hmm. except it's not sweat but when you're watching you're just like calm down yeah (laughs) like you guys are getting really sweaty but it's the paint thinner and then like a firelight and she wakes up. So she decides to do the seance and then she goes and wakes up Peter and then she goes and wakes up Steve. Steve is like, I fucking, I've had it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. You think she's having a mental health break. Steve's a psychiatrist. Yes, which makes sense. I mean, if I woke you up and I was like, hey, I can talk to ghosts. I just want you to come see it. Which, I don't know. If you said that to me, I'd be like, let's fucking see it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't argue with you. I'd just be like, do it. Yeah. Actually, if you brought out a piece of paper that had another language on it and you were like, I just have to read this, I'd be like, oh, let me just stop you right there. No, I don't think so. Let's just throw that away. Yeah. So Charlie comes out. You don't actually see her, but, you know, ghostly things happen. Yeah. The glass moves. Something breaks. She's trying to get Charlie to draw on the thing. And Steve is like, stop. (laughs) Like, no. 
Yeah. And then Charlie just is randomly drawing on it the next day. She's drawing what you end up seeing be Peter. Yeah, she's just drawing Peter over and over again with, like, his eyes crossed out. And so after that, you know, you get another scene where Peter is, like, in school and he looks at his reflection and it's just like him smiling back yeah it's creepy that's fucking real creepy and just all kinds of weird shit's happening i mean we've obviously missed all the little scares not gonna really be able to touch on all those but peter feels threatened like he calls his dad and is like in hysterical fucking breakdown and his dad like calls annie and is like you know i've had enough of this like i have a son to protect steve didn't believe it steve believed this was all annie projecting this onto the family and like causing all this but nothing evil well you know what when steve and them got home isn't that when annie took him to the attic so he didn't even have a chance to leave no no that's not not yet the next thing that happens is peter he's in bed and fucking someone grabs his head it's believed that it's annie but his bed is up against the wall Mm -hmm. i don't know who the fuck could have fit back there and yeah sure the fucking door slams closed and then annie's in there and she's like what's wrong but like i don't know he thinks that annie tried to kill her yeah and i guess that makes sense you wake you get out of that and then you're like there's one person in the room but nobody could fit behind your fucking i'd be looking under my bed if anything Mm -hmm. and also who has the strength to rip your head off you really But you have to think of all the terrible things Annie has said to him up to this point. I never wanted you. You were an accident. Well, that was in her dream. But I did forget to point that out that she says during that she pressured me. Her mom pressured her to have a kid in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, she never wanted Peter, I guess. She may have never wanted kids at all, but she was pressured so that they could fulfill their entire thing. But yeah, then there is another scene where Annie is looking through the shit for real now and she sees fucking joan in there and she's like this bitch and then she sees the picture of her having her mother having gold thrown on her she sees the book about paymon pay pay i don't know how to say the fucking name i'm not going to stress too much about not knowing how to say this king of hell name i'm gonna say payment this fucking thing about payment and there's things underlined and highlighted in there it's just all kind of the truth is coming out at the same time as the viewer you're watching it and you're still not quite all caught up but then peter's at school and he fucking it looks like he's having a stroke and he just smashes his head into his desk twice yeah and he falls back and he's screaming and we're to believe that was charlie or the grandma from the seance trying to kill him yeah well they're trying they're definitely trying to weaken him it says somewhere in the stuff she read that they need to be weakened so that payment can take them as a host and then his dad gets him from school brings him home he's fucking knocked out because he just broke his fucking nose annie and steve have this fucking moment where she's like i need to show you what i found in the attic she found her mother's body in the attic beheaded it shows earlier in the film that steve gets a call about her grave being desecrated but he doesn't tell anybody because he wants to take care of it not worry her now steve is thinking she dug up the body when he sees the body steve is like she is all gone i can't do this i have to call the police because she's begging him to throw charlie's sketch pad into the fire because when she tried to do it it set her arm on fire he won't do it and she grabs it and throws it into the fire thinking it's gonna set her on fire but she's like i have to do it like this is the only way i can save peter and it doesn't it sets steve full fucking on fire yeah terrible and steve dies yes steve dies and peter ends up waking up i guess he didn't hear his father screaming and his mom she's 
in the fucking corner, just like on the ceiling. Staring at him. Yeah, and then she does this fucking like Peter Pan style fly out of the room. I couldn't help but laugh the first time I saw it. She's like doggy paddling through the air. (laughs) It's disgusting. She's clearly possessed. Well, yes, during the fire, you see it happens through the movie. There's like a glint of light that signifies whatever. And her face changed. She smiled. Yeah, she like didn't care. And that's when she lost it. So he's staring. Peter gets down there, he sees his dad's body staring at it, and he's fucking freaking out. And then he looks to his side, smiling naked guy. Really kind of set the tone yeah, for the rest. Yeah, it was creepy. That was the same guy that was smiling earlier in the movie at Charlie at the funeral that you, were, you saw, and you were like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. That, that was him again. But after he sees that naked guy, his fucking mom comes out of the corner chasing him, and he's full sprints into the attic. And one of the scenes I think is the creepiest is he's in the attic, he's begging her to stop, and you hear knocking. And I guess I didn't know what to think. It's an attic, so I kind of assumed she couldn't reach it. But I didn't know what she was doing. I thought maybe she was trying to pull it. No, we get the scene, and she's clinging to the ceiling, just bashing her fucking head into the goddamn attic door. So he's up in the attic, and she stops, so he's wandering around. He sees everything, the grandma's dead body, the fucking bloody symbol. And she's somehow up there, and she has a piano wire. You do see the piano down there, just destroyed. Yeah. And she's fucking sawing her head off with it. And he's just staring in complete horror. And then he sees three naked people, which really is what sets him off. And he jumps out the window. Yeah, jumps out the window. When he jumps out the window, like, I guess he's in his final weakened state or he dies. Not sure which, but you do see that light travel over him and, like, go into him. And then he stands up and goes. And you also see Annie's body just float up into the Mm treehouse so he goes into the treehouse and there's fucking naked old people all over this treehouse thing as well as like i said his friend with the man bun that he's smoking with is Mm -hmm. up there they have charlie's head like on a stake yeah and i just know that it smells crazy in there yeah because not only is it dead body smells (laughs) not only is there a dead body in there a few dead bodies but there's all these naked people and there's all that body heat and they're all in fucking you know downward dog just asshole to the air i just that's the only thing i could think of is man it must fucking smell awful in there absolutely but he is given a crown joan is talking to him and is like we got you this healthy male body and you kind of get it all that this is payment now that's taken this body and it has something to do with charlie as well because charlie was like being i think charlie's the soul in peter's body yeah he's one of the kings of hell and they're like now give us your riches and all this shit and it's just like the movie kind of zooms out and it looks like it's a dollhouse again Mm -hmm. in that scene and like the movie just kind of fucking ends and it's it's pretty confusing you either have to watch it a second time or like look up some shit but i have these two pieces of trivia that are sort of trivia but i have to also reveal like my rating for the movie i fucking think this movie's so good like it's so unnerving and so unsettling and it's not a movie that i'm like yeah we should watch it again or like i'm gonna watch this every year like i'm not sure i can but i think it's such a good movie i think one of the things i really like about it is that it's not jump scares it's not just gore for the sake of gore It's not fucking loud violin to let you know that there's 
a creature in the background that you're supposed to see. And Ari Aster said that he wanted to go for scares that were emotionally justified rather than solely leaning on traditional horror jump scares. So I think that all shows very well. Another thing about this movie that I think played to it being as good as I think it is, um, Tony Collette said that Ari Aster was the most prepared director she's ever worked with. She praised him for practically having the full movie already shot and edited in his head two years before they started filming. And they, they filmed it in something like 36 days. Mm like real That's fucking short. quick yeah it was a pretty long movie too yeah but i i rate it five out of five well <laughs> go ahead let me tell you i hated this movie i, I gave it a 2.5 first off i'm good at figuring movies out this was too much absolutely too much i don't when i get to the end of the movie i don't want to be like well i have to look all of it up because i don't get it like now after we talked about it yeah it makes sense but that's just too much for somebody watching it a first time and likely the only time i will ever watch it absolutely terrible terrible well look you're gonna be canceled for hating this movie People uh, love this movie. That's fine that they love it. I'm entitled to my opinion. I know. I know. It's... I actually didn't hate it. I don't feel like a 2.5 is a bad score. No. It's not a great score. It's definitely not the worst movie I've ever seen. I like a lot of things about it. Is it just I that like it that horrified suspense... you? No, I like the suspense. I like the throat. You know, I don't like when people be standing in corners like that. But Haunting of Hill House was real good. And they didn't have like, they just had that floating man that I didn't want to see. Would you say but that this... it was just, it was just too, too much. Would you say that it's scarier than Insidious? Probably not. I only use Insidious because you claim that that's the scariest movie you've ever seen. And they did like a study years ago that said like, based on heart rates, of so many people, Insidious is the scariest movie. I think the scariest movie I've ever seen is that one with the nun in it. Not the nun, okay, everyone. The Conjuring 2. Absolutely horrifying. <laughs> I don't like demon... The, I think for me, it's like this ultimately went back to like demonism and things like that. He had a unique take on it, but that's not the kind of horror movie that I like, which is probably why it's got such a, lo a much lower rating. I mean, oddly um, enough, he wrote it originally not as a horror movie. It was written, it was much different, and it was written as a family trauma kind of thing. It was supposed to go into yeah. that. And then he saw a way to turn it into a horror movie, and he went that route. And I don't think it's a bad, I think it's a creative idea, and it's an interesting take on, a, like, a demonized horror movie, you know, like you would see, like, Possession. I think it's an interesting take on Possession, because that's ultimately what happens. I guess you're not wrong. They all get possessed, like, Annie gets possessed, Charlie possess charlie's like spirit kills and possesses peter i don't know that's just not the kind of horror movie that i like i just never even thought of it like as compared to something like i don't know fucking the million possession movies that are out there or even the conjuring insidious things like that to me it i think it was the family dynamic that somehow made it very unique it wasn't like what made it unique was all of these things that were happening and you could attribute it to mental health like losing a parent can't be easy losing a child I can't even imagine and then you know the father's a psychiatrist she's from a family with significant mental health history so you think that that's what's happening to her and it's not it was just too twisty and turny and too hard to follow feel that I mean a lot of people have said you know they had to watch it a second time to really appreciate it I'm not expecting you to watch it a second Absolutely time not. but you won't ever catch me watch this movie again <laughs> okay I have five movie reviews and you just need to tell me is it about hereditary or not. Okay. 
Okay, number one. If anyone ever clicks their tongue around me again, I'm calling the police. <laughs> yes. Yes. Even when men are invisible, they're causing fucking problems. Stay where we can see you, fuckers. No. Correct. My mom and I watched this two times in a row, and we hated the kid both times. Yep. No. My friend's mom. None of this would have happened if the son hadn't smoked weed. True. Yep. The girl in the beginning was a massive dumbass, but goddamn, this movie was wild. Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. I mean, you did your best. I know. I wrote them down because I thought they were funny, but also some of them I was like, I mean, that could apply. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your sequel? All right. My movie is called Inheritable. <laughs> okay. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> get it. Get it? I get it. Uh? Yeah. I just had to Google hereditary synonym. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Power Thesaurus. Power Thesaurus dot or calm. Sponsor Everybody. us, Power Thesaurus. Sponsor us, Power Thesaurus. Damn it. All right. Movie's going to start out with just random characters in like a horror style movie, but I want it to be creepy, like Hereditary. You know, started out with the dollhouse scene, super yeah. creepy, eerie. Eerie is a good word. After a small series of a few scenes, you're going to introduce to the fact that it's actually actors and actresses filming a movie. So everyone is on movie set and somebody is going to be, you're going to see it through like a docu-series style. Um, and it's going to be, you know, docu-series such as like the making of or whatever the movie title is. Mm -hmm. It's going to follow mainly the writer and director of the film, and you'll see tidbits of the actors' lives as well, but it's ultimately about the writer and director. So things are going to get weirder and weirder, and actors are like, this scene's weird, this scene's weird. They're going to actually slowly realize that it's um, a true event about what happened during the writer and director of his life, and he's playing all of it out in a simulation. Mm. So... They come to search for answers, kind of, as they're searching for answers, it's going to go back to, like, he comes from a family with severe mental health issues, and he himself has been in a psychiatric facility previously. Ultimately, it's going to show that he escaped the psychiatric facility and changed his identity, so nobody knows who this guy actually is. The ending of the script is read by the actors and actresses, and they're absolutely terrified to act this out because they don't want the ending to actually be true. In the end, everyone's actually going to die. And a newspaper clipping is going to show the article in the news story that was written about his script and, like, what, you know, happened. Give you a little tidbit into that. The director's going to walk out, and he's going to just drive to a different casting room and recruit new actors and actresses for the film and do it again. Is the film hereditary? Not necessarily. I mean, it could be. How does this tie to the first one? <laughs> because somebody with mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the film is hereditary. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> I really like the idea, but it seems like it's its own IP. I'm not sure. That this it can is... be a play on it. Now, I mean, if we're just making a series of movies about mental health, if you say the it's movie's hereditary that they're doing, I like that idea, but I think people would not like that idea. I don't care. But what that would be great for is horror movies out there that exist that people hate you just take it and you're like aha look it was actually this and then you can nearly improve that horror movie by saying it was this other thing uh -huh. all right <laughs> i did my best okay i think you did a fine job it's just at the end i was like well i don't see how this is a sequel it's a newspaper clipping about how <laughs> ari aster himself oh my God. <laughs> i wanted to mention like, I didn't want to, like, trash Ari Aster, though, but, like, 
that is who I had in mind writing this. He's an up and comer. He can handle it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he wrote a bad movie. Like, good on you, sir. Okay. Yeah. He hated it. Everyone. No, no. He right. did. You should see his face. He's My... visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> Currently sitting in the chair. He's like, I'm secondhand knees embarrassed. Weak, knees weak. Palms are sweaty. <laughs> All right, my sequel is called... Vomit on his sweater already. Oh, my God. <laughs> my sequel is called Descendant. We open up on a man named Michael and his wife, Lily, visiting Michael's mother, Hazel. Hazel is seemingly speaking nonsense to the couple as they are getting ready to leave. Once away, Lily berates Michael for allowing his mother to continue spewing nonsense. Michael replies that it's harmless, and he humors his mother as she has nobody else in her life left. The movie focuses on themes of being complacent towards those you love. That night, Lily apologizes to Michael for always insulting his love for his mother and says she wants to get closer to Hazel, and understand the stories she tells. So the following day, we follow Lily as she spends the day with Hazel, and we hear Hazel telling her stories to Lily. Hazel's story is about Michael and how he is meant to help stop a great evil being brought onto the world. Lily is disturbed by her delusions and follows up with Michael, warning him that his mother is older and unwell. Michael decides to take his mother Hazel to a doctor for evaluation. The doctor not only insists that Hazel be put in a home, but after speaking with Michael, offers to write him a prescription for his stress and anxiety. Michael begins his medicine, which begins giving him hallucinations as a side effect, in which he sees his mother warning him of impending danger. After one night of particularly bad hallucinations, in which he sees his mother being killed, he awakes to Lily crying and shaking him awake. Lily has received the news that Hazel passed away after she overdosed on her medicine. During Hazel's funeral, Michael notices Lily slips away, causing an argument between them that night, with each of them storming off into separate rooms. Lily is seen preparing some tea for Michael as a peace offering. Michael accepts, drinks the tea, and drifts off to sleep. Michael has a nightmare about his mother where she begs him to save her only to wake up to a real nightmare where he notices his clothes have been removed and he has a sack over his head. The sack is removed and Michael is in the treehouse featured in Hereditary. Michael screams in horror as he is surrounded by naked people and notices what appears to be a severed head on a mannequin. Michael is screaming and Lily comes out naked as well, asking him to calm down. Michael wants to know what's going on as Lily tells him that his mother was trying to get him to embrace his identity and his destiny as an enemy of Payman. But with her gone, he has an opportunity to join them. Even after going into more detail, Michael cannot calm down and doesn't want to be involved and begs Lily to let him go and they can leave together. Lily is handed an axe and turns him down as she swings it, landing in the front of his skull. Michael has one last dream in death where his mother's true nature is revealed as she informs him of his failure. Now, a lot of this movie is going to have to be, in my head, the way Hereditary was where you see things in the background. One of the things that I saw was in the stories about Payman, his arch enemy, Angel, his name is Hazael, and so I named his mother Hazel as, you know, a nod to that, that he is supposed to go against this clan, and I kind of think the ending of it would happen right at the same time as the ending of Hereditary's happening. That's the same scene. Like, if you continued Hereditary after that scene where you see Peter standing there, you would see them bring Michael up there as he's the descendant of the enemy to Payman. So they have to kill him to continue doing what they're doing. You know, I obviously couldn't write every scare. It'd mostly be hallucinations that you would believe is caused by his medicine. But ultimately, you know, the doctor and Lily were part of that cult. So all that goes to do with that. His mother was actually right. I like it. Do you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just had a question and I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. 
Why'd you say that you're visibly... Why are you embarrassed about I said I was secondhand people? embarrassed. But why? <laughs> Thank you for making it this far. Why? If you'd like to vote on who's... Why? Se- <laughs> Stop. I'm trying to close Tell this out. Because I feel like it wasn't related to hereditary. It and, was. Well, yeah, but not until I asked you if the movie was hereditary. Movies can be related and be sequels and not be the exact same thing. We've seen that before. I'm not judging you. Nobody understood that Split was even related. You're right, until that last scene until with the Bruce Willis. Movie, and, yeah, and until they made a third one together. Nobody knew. You're right. Thank you for making it this far. If you'd like to vote on whose sequel idea was the best, come by our YouTube channel for the polls, or let us know your idea with a comment, tweet, or you can reach us at needlesssequel at gmail.com. Links, as always, will be wherever you're listening. If you had a good time, share a show with someone. Leave us a review and come back for more. We would love to have you. All right. Be easy, everyone. We will see you next week.